Jeff, it is another week. It is Friday. We are not nor- recording on our normal day, but we're still recording. Yes, and I am the wrong Jeff. I'm Jeff with a G. <laughs> yes, you are Jeff with a G. Uh, Jeff with a J was unavailable today, and I was out all day yesterday. I finally closed on my house. So I've been waiting for it since September, and it, so our schedules didn't line up. So we called an audible, and we got G and G on here today. Uh, but yes. speaking of G&G. houses, uh, you are in the mortgages. You are the BYU mortgage guy. That's kind of, that's your brand. That's your identity. I, What's going on <laughs> with, the, with the housing market right now? Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's my brand. Yeah. But, and you know, I mean, I, I basically recruited you to kind of part time with me a little bit, but yeah. It, well, you know, the mortgage industry, I, 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 I've done mortgages for probably half of your listeners at this point so that's that's a good thing but yeah um, I, I work for a bank it's out of memphis it's an fdic we, we lend in all 50 states i've been doing it for 15 20 years now and yeah it's, it turns out we're good at it you know i got a good team you can you know my you know my gals uh, angela and shannon and yes it's pretty good i and and the fact is and i and i bring this up every time but they're neither of them are members of the church and they constantly say to me jeff get more of your BYU, more of your Mormon BYU friends. They, they always have their crap together. <laughs> we like doing their loans. So, so I, so I always try to do that, take good care of people. And it's a weird time though. Rates are rates of, you know, after two years of super low rates, um, a little bit higher now. So we're mostly focusing on cash out refinances for all those people with equity and, you know, and helping people buy houses. And, and there's still a place for the cash out refi. I mean, rates are still low i mean they're not as low as they were but if you've got you know if you want to be aggressive and take a little risk and there's you know there's you may you know cash out refi to go invest in something that you've been wanting to do whatever i mean it 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 takes guts but there's it's still not the what when you bought your first house uh, whenever you graduated from college well you probably had like an eight nine percent interest rate yeah yeah well i think i think i got a seven and a half rate yeah and that this is the late 90s you know when i bought my first house and i thought that was yeah that's pretty good and and even even you know 20 years ago i got a you know a six and a half rate or something so yeah I mean, the fact that rates are still in the high threes um it's it's it, you know it's exceptionally low you know by any historical standard it's just not the high twos that we saw for the last couple of years you know right all right. So, so if if anyone is in need of want to do a cash out, you're looking to purchase a home, maybe you want you're moving or you want to refi to drop some PMI, probably that probably use case is not making so much sense anymore because with the higher rate, you're not you're just going to be trading your PMI for a higher principal, high, higher mortgage payment. But the uh, yeah, reach out to me or Jeff and we can help you along. And I think Jeff will be joining us occasionally on the show. Just it is basketball season. Uh, we probably yes. listening wants to forget that it's basketball season, but Jeff is a basketball guy more so yeah, than yeah. other Jeff and I. So we are going to bring him in from time to time to do a little spotlight on the Cougar Cagers, but it has not been pretty for the last week. Oh man. Yeah. Doing a little bit of a death spiral, but, um, Oh, by the way, Google, uh, Google, uh, Garrett, I got a Google voice number just for us. So, um, so if those of you who aren't on Twitter, the three of you who are on Twitter already and don't, don't know how to reach us that way. Um, I got 480-269-6177. If anyone wants to text or call, you know, so good time. Four, to, like 480, a, a solid Mason number. Uh, yes. 6177. That's it. Yeah. That's a special Google number just so just for this, uh, just for our show here. So that's good. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes so people know. Nice. Um, so yeah, the basketball team, it is not been good for the last Ooh. 
week. And, and Steve Pierce, uh, you know, he's a contributor over at 24 seven uh, with us. And he's kind of, he's the BYU basketball guy, right? Him yes. and Robbie and you are kind of the, the Trinity of BYU basketball Twitter, if you will. But he, you know, he said, it's, we're really going through a ton of rotations and it seems like just nothing has clicked and right. it's still, we're still scrapping at new things. And it's not for lack of effort. Like, it's not like the staff has, stuck with something that isn't working and you're like why aren't we trying anything different i think pretty much everyone on the roster has gotten their shot and then some multiple times throughout the year and it's just not something is not right yeah yeah it, it's it's been it's been a i mean it's sort of uh the the wagon started getting a little rickety and then wheels just sort of started falling off this week i mean it, we've been close uh some close calls but they keep holding it together but i you know i think the problem is you you could get away with what we were doing a little better in the non-conference because teams you know the problem is once you play byu twice you know how to stop them it's really simple you you focus all your energy on alex barcelo and you dare somebody else to beat you and uh three games in a row nobody else has been able to beat beat them so um you know that's nobody else on the team and so and i don't know what to do and the thing about it is it's not a lack of talent it's uh not a lack of effort i you know you can't just say you know fire in the gut or any of that kind of nonsense and it's not even like we have bad coaches i think i think that it was sort of um they're they're kind of calling it close for a long time and finally you know things pushed over the edge I, i think the problem is though um they've been trying to trust the system and the system has failed them a little bit. You know, they, they're just not getting the most out of what these guys can do. So, right. I, I mean, you do you watch the last night? Yeah, I will. I watched the first half and then I turned it off and went to bed. I can only take so much and it just was not I, I my heart and soul couldn't take it. It, it is painful. It is painful. I mean, imagine what it's going to look like when, when, you know, Gonzaga comes into town, you know, it, it's just, it's so weird seeing a BYU team that can't score. Um, and, and the problem is, and, and I've given it a lot of thought in the last 20, you know, 12 hours since we, you know, took the last latest shellacking. Um, and I, I think the part of the problem is uh, Steve, Steve Pierce did a great job. He, he did kind of a long Twitter thread and I, I recommend you check his, his uh, timeline out if you didn't, but he had some good points. Um, Pope's strategy, his recruiting strategy has been bring in several guys from the portal every year and some, and some of them being one, one year wonders, you know, um, and that the problem with that is that you just fail to build continuity and, uh, and you just hope that you can get guys to fit into places and, and it kind of worked. And then when you lose a couple of players, you know, early in the season, it's just not working now. The, the problem I think is, is that the system, you know, you've got guys like Seneca Knight, who's kind of a good isolation player and he doesn't get any isolation plays called for him because that's not in the system. You know, they're doing this weave on the outside it's, and it just doesn't work. You know, teams have figured it out. Um, you got guys like Spencer Johnson and Trevin Nell who, who are good spot up three point shooters and you're not designing plays to get them at least, at least that I can tell you're not really specifically designing plays for them to get an open shot, um, you know, spot up three. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like it might be a case of it's always a balance of, you know, do you make the guys fit your system or do you make the system fit your guys? And I feel like it might have tilted a little bit more too much towards trying to make the guys fit your system. And it's a little bit of square pegs around holes situation right now. So 
And obviously uh, can they fix it? Yeah. losing, I mean, losing Richard Harward and Gavin Baxter, you know, that, that really hurt the start of the season because those were kind of key pieces, but it seems like right now we're just really missing a wing to take the pressure off of Barcelo. Like it's just, it's a very much an offensive problem and it's, yes, yeah. So it's, what is the system? Is it, is it that it, it's kind of, you know, inputs and outputs of like, is it that guys are taking bad shots because the system's not working or is the system creating good looks, but guys are just not hitting them. And if it's because they're not hitting them, is it, you know, what is happening in the games? And I know I've been to the practice facility and I've talked to, um, you know, the, um, you know, I've talked to the, the video staff and I know that things that's, you know, they're tracking all through practice. They have, there's a system in the annex that only like 10 or 15 colleges have and like 20 NBA teams use the system where, the balls like are tracking everything of like how much pressure they're putting on the spin rate of all their shots, the arc of all their shots, all of that. And then there's a video system that uses like facial recognition that tracks everywhere the players move on the court and oh, wow. where exactly they're taking shots from in practice. So if it's like, okay, in practice, the, like you identifying, these are the spots where you are good and we need to get you to, you know, take shots. And then in the games, those are the places that people are taking shots from then it's like, then you're kind of like, well, what do I do? Right. As a coach, you're like, okay, we know that this is where you hit them from. And this is where you're attempt taking attempts from, but they're just not dropping. So, I mean, at some point, maybe you just say like, okay, we're just chucking this out the window. And even though this isn't in theory where you're supposed to be taking them, this isn't working. So just throw the system out, like just go play and who cares. But so it's without knowing all that, it's really hard to see exactly you know, what it is, because I can't imagine the staff is putting players in situations where they know, like, this isn't their game. And so yeah. at least I, I can't fathom that. At least, you know, based on the first two years of this staff, like, that just doesn't make sense. And so it's, I don't know what it is, but something's got to change and something's got to yeah. change. Barcelo needs some help. He can't do it. Like, last night, there was Barcelo, and then there was eight points combined from the other four starters. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's absurd. I mean, it really, and then it's, I don't, yeah, I don't know if guys are getting the yips or what, but I mean, it, when I tweeted out at some point last night, BYU was 10 of 23 from the free throw line. I mean, how do you, how does that happen to a BYU team? You know, we, you know, BYU is historically known for kind of guys who are a little bit slow, but can fill it up, you know, and certainly hit free throws. And it's just such a strange, you know, I, it's just kind of weird. We're more than two and a half years into the Pope era. And this is a new thing. We've never seen the wheels fall off like it has in the last, you know, 10 days. And, uh, and it seems to be a confidence issue. I, I remember Dave Rose, that was always his buzzwords. You know, he wanted guys with confidence and there's a lot to be said about that, you know, just stroking it with confidence. And, and I feel like there's a lot of tentative, Un lack of confidence on offense. You know, you got guys like Spencer Johnson who, or, or Gideon uh, who see lanes to the hoop. Gideon probably, you know, 10 out of 10 times, he will, he's fast and he's long, you know, get right to the hoop and then he'll, you know, pump fake every single time. I'm like, dude, you literally could, your, your elbow could hit the rim. I don't understand why you don't just keep going and just cram that thing sometimes. Right. But I think it has a little bit to do with, um, experience and confidence and and you know Spencer Johnson the same way I don't know why Trevin Nell isn't you know going in and finding himself some mid-range uh but boy I, I you know I, I trust and I trust the staff I think they're very very good um 
I just think that they're running into a problem they haven't run into before. And it's a kind of a bad time. I mean, we are literally coming into the home stretch here. And um, th this team that looked like a lock for the, for the big dance um, two weeks ago, you know, it looks like it looks a little dicey. I mean, I saw something. I gave BYU a 37% chance of making the dance um, today. So it feels a little high even for, <laughs> so, I mean, the games we have left, you got Gonzaga. That's, they are at that's home. A sure but, loss. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a sure loss. If you do knock them off, then that probably does punch your ticket. But then yes. you got Loyola and Pepperdine twice each. And then the game on the road at St. Mary's which right. is also very, that's going to be a really, really tough game. I mean, St. Mary's is 18 and four, their top 20 in Ken Palm. Their only, their losses are to Wisconsin, a weird loss on the road in Fort Collins against Colorado state and then San Diego state and BYU. So it's, I mean, they've played a, I mean, they're, they're not going out and laying eggs against Pacific the way we did the last couple of weeks, you know, yeah. it's just a, not a, not a great, something is just not working. And so there's got to be a lot of soul searching between uh, basically the next 36 hours before tip off tomorrow night yeah. to figure it out if there wants to be shot. Cause if, if you do beat Gonzaga and St. Mary's, then you're going to be a bubble team, but you're going to sneak in unless you somehow lose to Loyola and Pepperdine, but. Right. You know, it's an interesting question though. I mean, cause what, what it feels like the likely kind of fairly likely scenario, like if I was betting right now, I would say, you know, barring a turnaround BYU's you know, likely to lose Saturday. They're pretty likely to beat Pepperdine in Portland um, both times um, because they're not very good teams, but not, you know, not guaranteed. I mean, if the wheels stay completely off then then all bets are off, but let's say they win those four, but that St. Mary's game at St. Mary's, you know, that's always been a tough one for BYU. And, and so, you know, if you go, two and you know four and two of the last six you're you know you're squarely on the bubble you gotta you gotta perform well in, in the wcc tournament to, you know to get your at-large bid and i just didn't expect that this year you know you got these senior leaders uh, it, it i mean there's no denying it um i, I harward loss was big because he did he's not fast but he did have a low post game um and then and then baxter was you know that pick and roll was working with him you know <laughs> Right. Baxter, Baxter and Lucas had some real chemistry starting. They were looking like, you know, Nash and Amari Stoudemire for a little bit. They're not really, but, you know, sort of a light version of that. Um, and that fell apart. So then, and, and I think that, you know, in BYU managed to cover it for a long time, but man, they got to, it's almost like it's a bad, bad time to try to reinvent yourself. You know, yeah. we're in February, we're in February, you know, the, the, the big dance is in a month, you know, or month and a half or something. So yeah, it's, this is going to be going to be dicey. It's going to be a little white knuckling it. <laughs> I think we're all going to, we're all going to white knuckle it a little bit for a while here. And then the women's team had to go and let loose too. I mean, we've had enough. I've had enough BYU losses for for a month. Let's not. For a month, and I think that's a good that's a good wrap up on basketball. And speaking of losses, even though signing day happened, I mean, signing day was yesterday. I mean, we've seen it has been a very good class. I think a lot of people are really excited about a lot of the players we have, you know, like obviously we got Cody Hagan, we've got Kingsley Suhumataya in the transfer portal. We got Chris Brooks, the running back from Cal. We got, um, you know, we've got Dom Henry who led the state of Florida in receiving as a preferred walk-on thanks to built bar. And he's a mid to high three-star and, but it seems like all of that excitement was focused squarely on the offense and 
even though this has been the highest rated class of the once you factor in transfers of the Kalani Satake era, it has mm-hmm. probably been the most disappointing just because the flip side of that is that of the 14 defensive players that were signed, 11 of them did not have a single competing offer from the from any school at the FBS or FCS level. Yeah, that's wild. It's wild. And so, now, now, having said that, you have you have your number, guy. You have numbers ahead of you. Now, a lot of them didn't have other offers, but what were the star rankings of those? I mean, do we do we give scholarships to any no star or two star uh, guys? Yeah, or? Let me pull this up. Um, um, yeah, I mean, some of them are none. A lot of them, it's there has been kind of some inflation where it's like, oh, if you commit to BYU, then it's you know they'll you get, go, you they'll look at you, and it's like, yeah, but you'll be like very, very on the fringe. Low three sort of thing. Um, but I mean, there's, yeah. So there's three guys that haven't been evaluated yet. They don't really give anybody like just a straight two stars anymore. But it's, so it's kind of like the lowest you'll see is like oh, an 81 or an 82. But we got, you know, quite a, we got a few of those. And some of those are guys that are projects or played, you know, out of position where, you know, like guys like Parker Kingston, um, He's a wide receiver for Broy. He's but he's five eleven and buck seventy, and he played quarterback after Jackson okay. Dart transferred. And so it's like he does. He was playing. It's hard to take a quarterback and project how they're going to be as a wide receiver. And those projections that they have for like a three star, whatever that is, their projection of are they going to develop into NFL talent is is how that goes. So I think some of it with like Kings, it's like hey, you can be a really good, effective college player. You know, you can you know you can chip in like a. Aleva Hifo or Micah Simon type contribution where you're not a world beater, but you're very grateful that they're on the team, but they're not going to, you know, go out and be Austin Colley or Puka Nakua um, and have a ton of pro potential. But so it's, I, it's just really frustrating to see that it, everything be a project. And I was, I was kind of thinking about this as, I mean, I, I wrote this morning in our newsletter, kind of, we hammered what, the you know the defensive staff said compared to the offensive staff in their um, press conference yesterday and it's kind of like I mean obviously stars are not a perfect indicator and so I think some people that they try to use any time there's a flop to be like oh see stars are stupid because you know Ben Olsen was a five-star quarterback and he, he didn't do anything at BYU or UCLA whatever but it's kind of like you obviously don't you can't predict the future so I would kind of give the example of this it's like if you have five stars, four stars, three stars, whatever, if you're trying to pick somebody who is going to be like, I don't know, say like players who are flops and don't do anything will be red players who are good and will be solid starters and maybe go to the NFL are blue. If you, but you're picking them colorblind, would you rather pick from the group of people where it's like 60% of them are blue or where 10% of them are blue and hope that you always pick the right guy? it's like you just why it's just really frustrating that it seems especially on the defensive side of the ball that we're just shying away and it's kind of like oh well a bunch of other people are after them but this guy is the same height and same weight and is that runs about the same 40 times so that makes him an equal player because physical tools are the only thing that matter in the game of football which just isn't true yeah especially especially for performance in college you know jeff um hansen put out a really interesting couple of of tweets um and it, this was yesterday and you saw him i know um it was you know he's talking about hey you know byu has gone with the, you know in the six years that since the has been here byu has gone with roughly 80 
you know, flyer guys, you know, or the guys who are sort of like not, or I think it was no other offer guys. I think yeah. that's what he called them. And then roughly 80 guys who had other D one offers. Um, and, and I looked at, you know, and, and then he gave the numbers of how many made the NFL, how many were multi-year starters, that sort of thing. And, and it, you know, and it sort of went like you sort of intuitively would have, I, I think the numbers I saw were of the flyer guys, um, almost 4% of them ended up in the NFL. Whereas of the multi-offer guys, only 2.5 ended in the NFL. So that's, that's kind of interesting. You know, it's like, um, that you take, it makes sense. You only take guys, you only take flyers on guys who have quote unquote NFL measurables. And so, you know, that matters for the NFL, but the thing that kind of stood out to me as, as a BYU fan and wants BYU to win is that, um, of the, of the no other offer guys, seven and a half percent of them, 7.5% started for multi-years and double that on the guys who had other offers. So, so the thing about guys with other offers is they already know how to play football, you know, and right. that's, that's the difference. And you, and BYU, uh, it's great to get guys in the NFL and it's important to get them in the NFL, but we want guys who can play for BYU, you know, and, and that's the thing. You get a guy like Chris Wilcox who made the NFL and he was one of those flyer guys, um, you know, where you take, you know, you just hope you had the measurables, but man, didn't he spend most of his career injured? I mean, I swear yeah, he didn't he, play that he, much. He was banged up his last two years and then he got drafted in the seventh round, barely snuck yeah, in. Yeah, on his measurables, he, he right. He's tall and, he didn't and fast, make it, right? Yeah, and he he got his shot based on his measurables. And yeah, it's like you can take that, but if you, even if you are so great at developing and you believe in yourself as a developer of talent, would you rather, like, I mean, say you can only have so much that, you, there's only so much that you can improve. So it's like, would you rather start with a blank and empty lot that you have to like spend two years building a foundation and throwing up a frame or go in and take a mansion and only need to worry about the interior decorating? Like what is right. going to be? Yeah. You're changing the, the crown molding or something. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, it's, and it's, and with how many injuries there are and it doesn't, it also just doesn't line up with, the the kind of the defensive focus of well we're going to get tons of guys reps and do these hockey subs because now you're putting yourself in the situation where like i remember in the third quarter of the virginia game there was the last time virginia scored um they got down they had like first and goal and i remember counting and looking on the field and i was like i don't even know who half these players are and then <laughs> yeah. jeff went through and looked it up and on the field there were like six of the 11 players were walk-ons and Ben Bywater was one of 11 players on the field. And he was the only one that had an offer from another FBS school on the entire field. And, oh. and even then, if you look at that, his other offers out of high school were to do his other offers out of high. I mean, he was a mid three, mid to high three-star. His other offers were air force and Utah state. So, right. Right. And, it's not like UCLA is going hard. After right. Him, so. And he was, you know, really in his first year getting decent amount of playing time because, so he was still very green last year. And, right. you know, he, um, his first year in the program was in 2019. He redshirted, obviously had the COVID year last year. And then he was a redshirt COVID freshman in 2021. So he's in his third year on the program, but still that's it. But it's, you're kind of putting with all these hockey subs, you're kind of saying, we're going to develop you, but 
you are going to get thrown in right away before we actually have had time to develop you. So if you want underclassmen to get a bunch of reps, then you need to start with a higher floor than, you know, the feel than whatever you're working towards. If you think like, Oh, we have the sky high ceiling. It's like, okay, that's great. But what are you going to do? And I think the problem that we're going to see is they look, you look back and you say, okay, well, we're 21 and four, whatever, over the last two years. So, you know, we're, we're, it's working, even though it's, it's kind of working. working in spite of that. And there has been a steady decline in the defensive performance. And I think the defense is going to be okay this year because they literally did not lose a single person out of the two deep. And it's yeah. like, you're going to have Wilgar back. You're going to have Peely back. You're going to have Chaz back. You're going to have Caleb Hayes back. Sure. He was a great bright spot. You're going to have D'Angelo Mandel on the other side. Keenan Ellis has got hurt in the first game of the season. He's going to be back. Michael Harper is going to be back as a corner. So you have a very solid two deep at both corner spots. And, you know, you got Tyler Batty, you know, should put on weight and he'll be another year removed from his mission. Caden Hawes has only been playing defensive line for two seasons. So he should take a step forward. Like there's people that if healthy, everything should get better than it was last year. And so it's kind of in one sense that can be interpreted as like validating the approach or it's just creating a giant cliff for 2023 when, you're going to let going into next season. So you're one in the big 12 and you're replacing six or seven defensive starters. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I, you, I, I'm sure some of our listeners are listening to this and going is this can't be Jeff Johnston and Garrett, you know, c- criticizing the defense. Cause we sort of <laughs> speaking of brands, you and I both have a little bit of a brand of defending the defense, you know, a four out of six years has performed better than the offense uh, under Kalani and that sort of thing. But um, I guess you and I are both concerned with the trend, right? And that's it. So let me ask you about the 14 guys. So, so you said 11 of the 14 guys that were recruited on defense had, did you say had no other competing offers? Is that right? Yes. No, a, Jeff went through and he counted, a, it was 11 of the 14 players offered in this 2022 signing class did not have another FBS or FCS offer. That's absurd. That's, and, and that's, that's, I mean, that, that's weird. <laughs> BYU will have more of those um, yes. than other schools. Just and you kind of, you brought this up right before we started recording, just because of the church thing, right? Like there are yes. guys that commit to BYU. They're dead set on BYU. They could probably get another offer or two, three, but they just shut it down and they tell yeah. coaches or they're like, Hey, I'm going on a mission. And if you won't let me go on a mission, it's a non-starter. And a lot of coaches are like, well, I mean, once you get into the three-star range, it's kind of like, well, okay, you're basically the same and it's going to be a crapshoot either way. So I just don't want to, you know, a coach has to really love you to want to deal with the mission if you yeah. are not a program in the state of Utah where you need to rely on missionaries to round out your roster. But so it's, there's a lot, there are, will be a couple of those. So, but, so let's say four or five out of the seven fall into that category. That still leaves you, uh, well, you know, yeah, six no, or so, seven guys who are just not not being pursued, you know, and who, right. who are who are interested and only got pursued by BYU. And that's not, and I guess that includes three of which didn't even get, uh, you know, were unranked or unrated, you know, right. um, by the by the by the, you know. Now I don't know of those three guys. Are they playing eight man football or some nonsense like that? There, there is there? one player who is uh, he's from mesa who was playing eight-man football and he's actually like the one that i like the best he actually i think is probably the most talented of these reaches but he i mean so you're talking about a kid who 
is playing eight man football. You do have built who can, will pay for things. And the kid, like he has like a 4.5 GPA and got a 35 on his ACT. He could get yes. an academic scholarship yes. in between academic scholarship right. and built. That is covering everything that a actual scholarship would yes. give him. So, so why, so why are you using a football scholarship on him when you can say, Hey, come on PWO. We really like you, but you, you're good enough. Like with your, he got a 30, you know, with your, with your academic prowess and your, you know, and the fact that we can already pay for your tuition, come on down. You know, we, we really like you, and, but, but you know, so what's the defense, you know, why aren't they firing harder for more guys than other people? Want? That's the question that you're, I guess, that's the question of the hour that you've been asking. Right. Right. And it's, you know, why, why are we not going towards those, you know, why are we not just like, trying to get guys because there's a lot of talented guys especially in the state of utah and next year it's a great lds class and it's you know there's players in 23 class like there's a kid tausili akana out of sky ridge high school in lehigh he's like the number he's a top 30 player in the country sitting in our backyard and you know when his family his coaches are telling jeff like oh well we kind of here sometimes but not as much as we expected given that he would be like the third or fourth highest recruit that BYU ever signed it's because well I mean he we got another guy with same measurable so that's who already said yes so we don't need to try for this kid and be going up against Alabama and Auburn and Baylor so it's just a weird I I don't know I can't wrap my mind around it and it just doesn't make sense And, you know, and what you and others have said is that um, Kalani is um, he trying to let the defense staff, you know, on show. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, but you're right. And the question is, this is a long, this is a long play. Maybe they have in their minds like, hey, we're going to go like the 80s for BYU where guys don't expect to play until their last two years. And so that gives us two, three years to, you know, get them ready and to rock and roll. So they play their, you know, junior and senior year only. I don't know. I mean, these guys get paid a lot of money to do this and I don't want to be too critical of them, but man, I'm, I'm nervous about it too. Yeah. (laughs) I would in, in, I think just entirely it should be a different approach. And it's if the coaches want to be, say they're developers, then let them focus on actually coaching, get a recruiting staff, have the recruiters recruit and the coaches coach and say, Hey, we found these five guys. For like we have two scholarships slotted for defensive end. Here's our top five that we are working on, whatever that we found that have shown interest. Who do you want of the five? And let them pick from a limited menu rather than having them go scout, you know, everywhere, whatever. Like let the recruiters recruit and then let the coaches just be the closers and then actually coach them up when they're on campus and you know, stop, you know, letting this happen. And really it comes down to it's like we can say. You know, like we can, the whole thing I wrote today was about what Preston Hadley said yesterday in his press conference. And you kind of juxtapose that with Daryl Funk saying, well, we got basically, we got punched in the mouth in Waco when we played Baylor. And we realized that we have to change things if we want to compete in the big 12. And then the other side of the ball is saying, well, you know, we just, as long as your numbers look good on paper, we'll, we can coach you up better. And also had the audacity to say, well, you know, if stars really mattered, then all the teams that are in the college football playoff and are winning championships, their rosters would be littered with all these four and five star players. <laughs> no, like, they are. Did he actually say that? Yes, did he, really he did. Say that? He, he said that. <laughs> he like, said, "You know that the top two teams on the stars are Georgia and Alabama, right, Brad?" Right, <laughs> and it's if you look back, it's like 
you know, you thought you think Alabama just Nick Saban was just recruiting people like 20, 84% of Alabama's rosters were four and five star players. 80% of Georgia's were four and five star players. Oh my gosh. That is, that is too rich. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that, that is, I, I, I didn't listen to the whole interview. I just saw, you know, snippets. So that's, that makes me laugh. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old, but man, that is, that is just absurd. Okay. Yeah, so the exact quote was, <laughs> I think it's about trusting our own evaluations. If all these marquee programs that have this rich tradition of doing some big things in the postseason were, you know, had all these rosters filled with stars, you would see them in the playoffs each year, but you don't. If stars were all that they're cracked up to be by all those out there, you would see those teams in the playoffs. And <laughs> so this is do. this is spoken like someone who literally doesn't pay any attention to college football. That's right. Not what you want to see from your college football coaches. Right. So, so yeah, 24 seven also, I mean, they do the class rankings based on, you know, the stars and the rating of your players, but then they also do a total team talent, which basically just, you know, takes all of the stars of everyone who's currently on your roster. And the, I only went back four years, but I have a hunch if I went back all the way to 2014 at the start of the playoff era, this would hold true. Um, 13 of the last of the 16 college football playoff bids in the last four years have been to teams that were uh, the top 10 most talented teams in the country that in that any given year and 15 of the 16 were in the top 15. So there was like the top 10 and then there was the three of the three outside of that, uh, you know, the 13 were in the top 10. Then you had Oklahoma was at number 11 Michigan was number 15 this year. And then you had Cincinnati at 54, which if Cincinnati, I mean, everybody knows if Cincinnati was in the big 12, they would not have, they wouldn't have made the playoff this year. Cause they would have dropped a game just because right. they got there because right. they went undefeated two years in a row and they had a lot of and they beat their no, way and they beat if, Notre Dame. Right. And they beat Notre Dame. And even if had Oklahoma state gotten a stop on fourth down in the big 12 mm-hmm. championship game, they probably would have been the fourth team in and yes. then it wouldn't have even mattered. And I think their roster talents like 35. So they still would have been an outlier and still a ton of things had to break in. You know, it was Ohio state had to drop two games for it to, to get knocked out and end up in the Rose bowl, whatever it's, but there was no way in hell that someone with a straight face. I'm just amazed that an actual coach who is paid to do this with a straight face thinks that the stars that Alabama and Georgia are signing do not matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, so the difference, the difference with those guys are they have all the measurables and more, you know, better measurables, even than our, than our, the ones we're taking flyers on. And, and they have, you know, seven years of football experience too. You know, they've, they're proven on the field and have all the measurables, you know, that's, so, I mean, I, I get that you're going for measurables, but man, it's, you got to go for you know, some of both. <laughs> That's it. Because we need guys who can perform in at BYU. Again, it's great when guys, you know, it's great when Ziggy Ansa comes in and literally has a, deep, a solid senior year, but wasn't very, you know, didn't even hardly play before his senior year because they couldn't trust him. But the truth is that doesn't make your football team great. I mean, you get maybe one year out of three or four with Ziggy. Um, you, know, you just got to get guys who know how to play, you know, if you want to win. And that's, and we want to win, right? We're, we're, yes. we're, we're we are pro BYU winning. fans. <laughs> yes, we are dyed in the wool BYU fans. And then we root for guys after they get to the NFL and it's great when they do, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's better when they actually help BYU too, you know, not guys who basically, you know, sat injured at BYU and then can make a team as a practice squad guy or something. Right. So, and, uh, 
and you're never yeah. going to hit, right? You're never going to hit on all of your players. So it's just like, you got to play, you got to play the numbers of, you know, who is most likely going to be developed into a great contributor. And if you have a couple extra scholarships, sure. Take a flyer, take a Chris Wilcox every year and think like, Hey, this kid just got insane measurables. Maybe it's a weird thing. Like, I mean, Terrence fall, for example, he's a wide receiver on the team. He didn't start playing football till his senior year of high school because he was a foreign exchange student from France. Right. So it's right. like, you know, that's a flyer or Anthony Olson who committed yesterday. It's he played basketball and last year was his first year ever playing football. It's like, okay, right. that is a true flyer where this kid has no experience. You're purely going off of measurables, but if you're going off of measurables and the kid's been playing up and suiting up and playing football and been coached since he was seven years old, that's not like, they're just not that great of a player. Like the odds of them, you know, being from in 2022, the odds of them being severely undercruited because they play at a small school, very low because the internet's everywhere. All these kids are going to camps. You're digging everywhere to try to find them. The odds of them having poor coaching because, you know, you're at a small town. There's not, you know, there's nobody there. Like you really like, yes, right. you've been I playing, mean, but you it, don't know what you're pro- doing. Coaches go to clinics all the time. Like coaching is great at every level of football in 2022. It's like these kids are ready to play. That's part of why you're seeing more and more freshmen and sophomores show up and play is because coaching is better at lower levels and they are now ready to play. So if you're not ready by the time you're a senior in high school, you might not ever be ready. Well, yeah. And I, and I, and I know some, some of your listeners are going to be saying, well, yes, but there are exceptions and there are sure, you know, there's the kid who was five ten. And, you know, 130 pounds until his junior year. And then he sprouted to six, five, you know, 250 or whatever. Um, yeah. I, yeah. So, so there are always exceptions to that rule, but generally, yeah, people kind of show what they are by the time they get through high school, especially what the red shirting thing parents do, you know, they get their kid graduating high school at, you know, 18 and a half, 19 years old, you know, they've, right. they've got, they've had time to grow into that body already. So yeah, I'm with you. So I have I have a question. I hope this isn't off the agenda, but um, but I was I've thought of this a couple of times as I've listened to you and Jeff and, and Red, and and I wanted to see what your opinion is on, you know, on the defense. You know, they're almost all coming back, but how many? You know, who do you think on this defense that is a legit NFL prospect? You know, who? I, and I'm specifically thinking of the front seven. You know, is it? Do we have guys on there? I mean, does playing a lot of years, do we have guys that we think, yeah, this guy, I mean, Kyrus Tonga was always that guy, but you know, of the dudes we have now on the defensive line, maybe linebackers, who do you see playing on Sundays regularly? I mean, playing on Sundays, I don't know that there's anybody that I'm like a slam dunk, definite NFL player. Uh, Keenan Peely probably fits that mold the most, but guys that will get a shot at the NFL, um, even though he has an injury history, people still know that Chaz Ayu is a good player and people will look at his film and can see that he's been yanked around and yo-yo to move to like 15 different positions on the field. And like Chaz will get a shot. Keenan Peely will get a shot. If he comes back and plays healthy, he will have a shot to get drafted. Peyton Wilgar is one of the best linebackers in coverage. Uh, and so he kind of, Peyton Wilgar in a lot of ways fits what, a similar style of play of how the 49ers have started using Fred Warner as a middle linebacker since they moved Mm -hmm. him inside after drafting him. So I think the league is going that way. So he fits as well, but on the defensive line, I don't, I mean, there's nobody on the defensive line right now that I'm like, Oh yeah, they will definitely get an NFL shot. Um, yeah, that scares me. That's ben Bywater, by the too. time he's in, I think Ben Bywater had a good start last year. He's a good athlete. Same with Max Tooley. Like they're guys that just, they have those bodies that you can fit and it's, you know, kind of 
like a Zane Anderson where it's you do have the measurables yes. and you contributed for multiple years, we'll give you a look. But I don't think outside of, I mean, maybe if he keeps it up, I could see Caleb Hayes getting drafted late is similar to Chris Wilcox. Um, and I could As see the DB, Peely, right? Yeah. And yeah. I could see Peely or Wilgar getting drafted late. But other than that, there's nobody. It's not like the offense where I look and there's probably three or four offensive linemen who are surefire picks barring mm-hmm. injury. I mean, you look at a couple of receivers, a couple yeah. of receivers, like there's guys in multiple QBs, right? Yeah. That could yeah, get yeah. drafted. And it's just not like that on the defense. Well, and that's the scary thing then. So that, that maybe is the biggest indictment of this uh, strategy is like, Hey, you're, you're taking flyers on guys with NFL measurables, but how many of, you know, I, and this is particularly on the defensive line that has me worried. I think we have 17 guys or something, you know, that are defensive linemen. That's a big, isn't there a big number of defensive linemen on this yes, there's a roster? And, and the question is though, I mean, are there any Kyrus Tongas there that look like, yeah, this guy is NFL written all over him. I, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of any, you know, I, I'm glad they're coming back and maybe, maybe some will show themselves that we got some strong guys, but man, uh, it makes me nervous because, you know, 2020 was a great team. Um, they shouldn't have lost the coastal, but it's just one of those, you know, one of those kind of bad luck things where you get a fat quick game and don't prepare enough or whatever. But, you know, part of the reason they were great is because you had a bunch of legit NFL guys on both sides of the ball. Right. Um, you had Kyra Stonga, you know, you, and I and that's what it takes to really be kind of shock the world. You got to have you know, this is true in the 80s. It's true in the 90s, 2000s, you know, every decade you get guys that are surprised NFL stars, you know, you got Dennis Pittas and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and, and I'm worried about BYU's front seven on defense because I. I mean, I, you know, you got Peely and then a couple of linebackers look good, but I'm worried about the defensive line. I hope the Sysamo or some, you know, some of the new kids, you know, prove to be NFL talent, but. But you don't uh, want to be banking on a true freshman to come in and save the yes. day, especially in the trenches where, I mean, if you're a receiver, you can come in and if you're fast enough, right, you can get open and make plays. It's really hard to come in and be an instant quality yes. contributor as a freshman. Yes. Just, just because, I mean, you're, even if your you're joints are used to that. <laughs> you're, you're the strongest guy in your high school, but it's just a whole different ball game, and you're getting pushed around, and it's just hard. And so yeah. there's yeah. – but going down the list, it's like, okay, Tyler Batty has struggled with injuries. You do have uh, Cade Albright. Um who's from what high school he played out in uh, California, San Juan Capistrano, mm-hmm. really highly rated recruit. That's another similar one where the staff didn't really want to compete and they kind of saved face at the last minute. And he was an 11th hour of, I'm a BYU kid who's a four-star, but the staff was like, well, you don't quite fit our measurables of what we want. And then they kind of pulled their heads out at the end and lucked it, but he got, he like hurt his back on his mission and had to come home from his mission to get back surgery and went back out. So he may not even play. Uh, right. Not, not this year, at least. Right. You know, like Lorenzo Fawatea, he's good, but he's also constantly hurt. You know, Caden yep. Hawes is okay, but he's a freshman playing defensive. He was a freshman last year playing defensive line for the second year ever. Like Fisher Jackson, uh, Gabe Summers, Blake Mangelson, those guys all got a bunch of run last year. They're all walk ons. You have a bunch yeah. of, you have no, multiple no, that's right. I mean, the, true those freshman walk ons. Right? Yeah. You got as, a bunch of role players. I mean, these, these guys, you're not going to, you know, you're not saying Mangelson is like, oh, yeah, it's a, that's an NFL 12-year guy. I mean, he, he's a good college football player, and I hope, he, you know, he, he's earned everything he gets. But, 
I mean, it's not, not something you build your defense around. Right. Right? And, and I think by the time he's a junior senior, he could be great. But when you are a 245 pound freshman from Nephi, Utah, who is a walk-on that is trying to play on the interior defensive line, that's not a recipe for success and sustainability. <laughs> I mean, 45 would be fat for me. Come on, man. Right. Get him in the way, get him in the weight room, you know, get him back at 275, 280 after a couple of years. And he's put on some strength and, you know, he could be a player, but you can't bring those guys in and then also expect them to play day one. And yeah. so get them in as a walk-on, let them take their dues, see what their body does, then flip them to a scholarship later if they earn it. But taking, you know, taking all of these flyers and having the vast majority of your final thought they're having the vast majority of no matter which way you slice it having the vast majority of your signees being projects is going to bite you in the ass because you are not going to hit on enough of them as quality contributors to have sustained success yeah 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 just too much gambling yeah i think i mean i think you're absolutely right so so it's scary but but you said it earlier this may pay off in 2022 right because everybody's back and the experience matters right so it, it may be it might be a decent defense, a solid defense. I mean, you and I both like SP plus and and FEI. Um, it was a bad year for you know for the defense, no matter how you no matter how you slice it, right? I mean, it, even on those advanced metrics, which is kind of what I have often used to defend the Tuiaki defenses. You know, they've come in at forties and you know thirties on good years, um, but I think there are eighties or something like that. Yeah. You know, this this last year. Good. Um, so the question is, you know, where will it be at the end of 2022? Hopefully, you know, 40s and 30s again, maybe, you know, back to where it was. But man, I, but but you're right. I mean, but recruiting is the lifeblood and um, it's it's a little dicey. It's a little risky what they're doing. <laughs> no question about it. Um, and it may be up to the it may be up to the head coach to start saying I, this is not acceptable. I, I, I stars actually do matter, you know. Yes. Um, and I think something's got to change. I think this is, we've been, we've been ranting and rambling now for 45 minutes. Uh, I think we've gotten all of our frustrations out. Do you have any parting words that you want of wisdom, uh, in your, you're, you're a little more gray than, than me and Jeff. Do you have any wisdom for the young bucks before we hey, bro, hop off? And let me tell you this, let me tell you this. I still have virtually all my hair on my head. So that's, I think you have more hair on your head than I do. I've got really, all right, I, dude, I, 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 my, no, my hairline is not, if you look at my passport photo from on, on my mission is my, that hairline is not the same. Listen, we had, we had lunch together, what, three years ago or something. Yeah, like, your hair was, your hair was thick and plush as, as is your beard, as always, you know, you have, the I think it's, it's, it's transferring. It has entered the transfer <laughs> portal from my scalp to my cheeks. Hey man, that's, that's, that's quality. You're going to, that's, that's going to, that's going to get you to keep you married. Your wife might be able to take her lies off you. Um, no, but you know, so having seen this, yeah, I'm, I'm old, I'm Gen Xer. Um, and, and my kids are all graduating high school and that sort of thing. Um, I like the staff, but I do think that you are right. So let's talk basketball first. Final thoughts. I think Pope and the staff's going to pull together, but I, I'd say it's a coin flip on making the dance this year because it's a really, really bad time to uh, have the wheels fall off. You know, and that's kind of what's happening. I mean, doing an entire, um, it feels like they need a reboot, and rebooting in February is scary as crap so I, i'm nervous about that but i would say i'd still give them 50 percent chance even though others are staying lower uh, i you know this, this staff has proven and these are talented players he's got to figure out how to win you know how to how to adjust to the fact that others have adjusted to them so that's that's my final thought on basketball on football 
I have confidence in the staff, but kind of like you, 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 uh, I'm a little bit nervous on, on sort of the stubbornness that we're seeing from the defensive side um, in terms of their recruiting strategy. I have a feeling that that's going to pay, you know, cost. It's going to be a low, slow burn cost, you know, to, to not trying a little harder on the recruiting. Yeah. Um, and I agree hundred percent on both accounts. It has been a great time having you on. You will be, you'll be making appearance from time to time again on the show. And again, uh, if you are interested in, uh, checking a quote for your mortgage, um, if you're buying, want to refi cash out, do some renovations, whatever it may be, uh, that number is 480-269-6177. And then you will know that they came from, that they are a hellion and deserve the extra, extra white glove approach. Oh yes, extra white gloves. White, extra and, white. Blue gloves. Yes. white and blue gloves. Yes, the royal blue glove approach. Royal the white glove approach. So it's been a great time, and we will keep in touch and give them hell this week. Give them hell.